ladies and gentlemen. It's about that time. It's time to crush your fantasy football league. Grab yourself a drink and get ready. Because it's time. It's time to get that Dynasty Buzz. Already a few drinks deep in the Roto Lounge tonight. So don't be offended. It's your host, Brad Starks. What's up? What's up? What's up? Dynasty Fantasy Football Family, how you doing tonight? I'm your host, Brad Starks, and I'm behind the bar tonight. We're going to get started with a drink. Not only am I going to help you crush your fantasy leagues, I'm going to make you an at-home mixologist. Tonight is one of my favorites, and I know every week I'm going to tell you it's one of my favorites, but every week I make my favorites. But this week, it's a very simple drink, but very delicious and it's the daiquiri. No, I'm not talking about your frozen margaritas or your strawberry daiquiris or your pina coladas. This is an original cocktail, right? The daiquiri is a perfect example of how just three ingredients, just three ingredients, when mixed together the right way, can make a magical drink. If you make this, you have to use fresh ingredients. No lime syrups, no lime juices. Everything's got to be fresh. Half ounce of simple syrup, which is equal parts sugar, equal parts water. Put it in a saucepan, heat it up, make a nice little syrup, put it in the fridge. Three quarter ounce of fresh lime juice. Get yourself a lime, cut it in half, squeeze three quarters ounce, fresh lime juice, and two ounces of white rum. That's it. Tonight, I'm gonna use Havana Club Anejo. Put it in a mixer over ice. And you're gonna shake it up real hard. Get it nice and cold. Get yourself a coupe glass. If you don't know what a coupe glass is, go online. Look what a coupe glass is. I'm gonna shake this really hard, about a 30 count. And while I do so, I'm going to let you listen to some highlights of our boy, Justin Jefferson. Jefferson, touchdown! I look cute, boy. I look cute. <laughs> I look cute, boy. Now you take this mix, get yourself a fine strainer. Drain that bad boy into a coupe glass. That's it's gonna come out so good. Get every last drop, fam. Every last drop. Now let's give it a try. It does remind you of a margarita but it's it's equal parts it's it's like not too sour it's not too sweet and the rum just smooths it out it's just it's so terrific just a terrific cocktail 
guys, girls, anybody would love this cocktail. Get a coupe glass, get them online at Amazon. I went out and got a whole collection of different cocktail glasses for all these different drinks. Presentation is key, just like food. If you give someone a drink, it looks good. Maybe it's got a garnish on it. They enjoy that drink a lot more than if you just throw it into a cup. Just like when you're in a restaurant, they make your food presentable. um, So you get excited to eat it. It enhances your experience. Hopefully you guys are making good drinks at home. This one you should definitely try. I haven't had a chance to talk about our boy since his 160-yard, two-touchdown performance last week, Justin Jefferson. Our dynasty rookie wide receiver won, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. He can crash back down to earth anytime. Adam Thielen's still there, so we don't know how he's going to perform without Thielen, but we're not going to chase points. We're not going to overspend for Justin Jefferson. I expected there to be a buy low window, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Hopefully you were able to get him in your drafts. Uh, Hopefully before this breakout, he's stashed on your bench if he's not already in your starting lineup. He's going to be a good asset for years to come. Let's talk about some news. I'm recording this Saturday night before any games, so I don't know what's going to happen. But the news broke. Antonio Brown is signing with Tampa Bay. And how does that affect our dynasty outlook? Personally, I think Antonio Brown is going to be a very solid contributor in Tampa Bay. If you think about it, he was on the outs in Vegas. Once he went to New England, he became a good teammate. He wasn't causing any problems in New England. Uh, The reason the Patriots cut him was because some text messages were released where he was threatening his girlfriend and the Patriots, they, they wanted, figured a lawsuit was coming. So they just cut bait. And the one game that he played with Tom Brady had four catches, 56 yards and a touchdown. Even at 31, 32 years old, Antonio Brown is a really good at separating from defensive backs. He's going to be able to get open. If you have him, If you have him and you want to sell him, I wouldn't sell for anything less than a second round pick. I would try to get a first, a second, or some young talent. But I would not just give him away right now. Even though he hasn't played, his value right now is too high to sell for anything less than a second round pick. Now, if you want to sell him and no one will give you a second or first, sit on him. I think he's going to have some big games in Tampa. Tom Brady pushed for him. Whoever Brady whoever Brady wants, that's who he gets. He's going to force him the ball. There's going to be some games where he really blows up. And if you're not a contender, but you have Brown, as soon as he blows up, start shopping him. This year, there's a good chance that he plays one more season with Brady. You know, if they make it to the playoffs and they don't win the Super Bowl, maybe they say, all right, let's make another run at this thing. Uh, he comes back. Uh, you know, I can see him make another run with Tom Brady in Tampa. So if you have him, you can even hold on to him. I think he's a good hold. I think as long as he's with Brady, he's not going to have those outbursts like he did in other, you know, in Oakland or uh, when he wasn't even on a team. So Antonio Brown, that's my take on him. It, whether you agree or whether you disagree, 
If you're not following me yet, follow me on Twitter at RotoLounge. That's my main account. Or the Twitter account for this podcast at Dynasty Buzz. You can find me on Instagram, Roto underscore Lounge. You can find me on YouTube, Roto Lounge. Find all my great videos, my videos of, of my breakout players, my rookie breakdowns. And we'll we'll get into even more of that in the offseason. Break down all these rookies. I got a tweet. I, I love interacting with you guys. I want to see your lineups. I want to help you become dominant in your fantasy leagues. The The goal of mine, I'm looking forward to this one day, and I don't know if it's going to be a year from now or, or how long, but I'm looking forward to someone DMing me and saying, you know what, Brad? I won my first Dynasty League because you helped me find these late-round picks and stashes and these rookies and your guidance, you know, help me win a title. That's really the that would be the crowning moment for me if I get that one owner that says, you know what, Brad, you're the one that helped me, and, and that's what I do this for. I want you guys to to continue to win titles, right? It's dynasty. When I build a team in dynasty, I don't want to just build it for one year. I want to build an empire, a quote unquote dynasty. I want to win one, two, three consecutive titles so we don't just rebuild and tear our, tear our tear, teams down year in and year out. We don't, we don't, we don't do that because we're confident in the team that we're going to build. Once you make the playoffs, it's a whole new season. So all you have to do is be good enough to make the playoffs. Anything can happen. But we're going to continue to build. We're going to have teams lined up with superstars. Yes, injuries happen, but the way we build our team, we're going to have enough depth, uh, enough depth that's going to get us through these injuries and have us contending, and we're going to win championships. You know, even with injuries, we're going to stay the course, and if we don't win this year, we're going to be even stronger next year with our rookie picks. So let's talk about rookie picks. On Twitter, I had my boy Ray, he DM'd me, and we were talking about topics, about what we want to talk about, and he said, why don't you talk about rookie wide receivers and their value relative to draft picks, right? So early to mid-round first would get you someone like Jalen Waddle or Jamar Chase, and how do I compare that to, say, T. Higgins and LaVisca Chenault? So I wrote Ray back and I said I tried to explain the way that I could. There are people that talk about Debbie and I have some really good friends that talk about Debbie. But to me, Debbie is basically a platform to get you familiar with names of players that have potential high ceilings that are going to come into the NFL. Very rarely, and there's few occasions, where you can identify a player in college and say that player is without a doubt going to be the best player in the class. All right, players like Saquon, okay? You can identify those players. By far, the 1-1, nothing is going to change before the draft. But if I was going to evaluate players this time last year, at one point, Jerry Judy was wide receiver one. 
At one point, T. Higgins was wide receiver 1-1. At one point, CeeDee Lamb was wide receiver 1. Never at all did I see or rank Justin Jefferson as wide receiver 1. And if I was evaluating last year and I was saying, okay, this is worth that, I would have probably given you bad advice. I would have steered you in the wrong direction. But when the season's over, what I do is I spend hours upon hours breaking down film. If you listen to any of my breakdowns last year, I go back to their high school days. I Google articles, any type of news regarding these players. And I want to build like a database of what these prospects could potentially become. And I, and I run through their combine numbers. I put in all their production stats into my model. I have a data model. And this season, the data model projected Justin Jefferson as wide receiver one. And we took him everywhere. Uh, I think before the draft, uh, Justin Jefferson was like wide receiver three or four. The combine came around. He ran a 4-4-3. And I thought he was going to be a 4-4-7 or a 4-7. And that really shot him up my board uh, because that's NFL game-breaking speed. And then having the chip on his shoulder of just wanting to be successful. A lot of the things that he portrayed led me to Justin Jefferson as my wide receiver one. And the model confirmed it. And last year, I wouldn't have ranked him there. Now, did you have to have the 1-1 to get the best player in this class? No. You could have got Justin Jefferson at like the 110. So picks are very valuable. No matter what first round we have okay it's hard for me to explain into words because it's almost like a feeling um, that I have of what these picks are worth but you don't even have to know who's coming into the draft to know that the first and second round picks are extremely valuable third and fourth round picks aren't as valuable but I don't also want to just use those as throwaways there's gonna be players that fall to the third and fourth round every year this year, it was players like Antonio Gibson early in drafts, early in the year. Antonio Gibson was in the third round. Uh, Brian Edwards was falling to the third round. Tyler Johnson was falling to the fourth round. A.J. Dillon was falling. Chase Claypool was falling. Uh, these are players you can get late in drafts. Good talent in third and fourth rounds. Now, if I'm going to make a trade, though, I like third and fourth to kind of throw in if you're going to sweeten a deal that you're already you feel like you're going to win. Uh, so I'll do that. But but I'm not just going to throw in a third or fourth <clears throat> because, right, they are valuable. Don't do it just for the hell of it. You have to be strategic uh, when you send out trade offers and how you accept trade offers. There's owners that love draft picks. They have rookie fever. They will trade all their proven assets for rookie draft picks. I highly advise do not do that. If you have a proven asset, is worth more than a rookie 10 out of 10 times unless you know that they're one of the top three picks in the draft. Okay, for instance, Saquon Barkley. You don't want to trade, you know, when he came out like, you know, the 101 for a player like LaShawn McCoy who was coming off a good season, but he was 27 or 28 years old because you know that number one pick is going to be a long-term dynasty asset. Draft picks will have their ultimate value around the combine. All right. Once people start seeing these players perform at the combine, 
rookie draft value is at its all-time high. You want to move picks. That's when you want to move picks for players. Also, if you have a team, this is the time, week six, week seven, we start looking at moving picks for proven players because you're going to have teams that are completely eliminated from their leagues that are 0-6 or 1-5, and they're going to be like, okay, I just want to rebuild. These are the times we want to go after players. No, you don't want to go after a first-round pick for like a scrub, but offer you know early second-round picks or you know first for like Michael Thomas. You know players that have will still hold value three, four, five years down the line, but somebody might be willing to get rid of that for your number one pick. Don't go, you know, throwing second round picks for like Emmanuel Sanders or a player that's just going to help you this year. That is a bad process. Bad, bad, bad process. You can you can always DM me anytime you want if you have a question about, you know, the value of a second round pick, third round pick. You can ask me if, if I think it's a, a good uh, decision and I'll always give you my best opinion on what I think. Uh, Ray also asked me, he said, or he told me, he said, I think the most, he said, I think the most overlooked, least understood thing about Dynasty is draft picks and value. So I want to help you understand the value of these draft picks. They do have trade calculators out there. You know, I don't know how valuable they are. You know, some seem like they're, they can help you uh, if you just have no idea what value is. But know that first and second round picks are extremely valuable because you can get franchise changing players. And when I say franchise, I mean your your fantasy franchise can change that team with really good picks in the first and second round of drafts. And speaking of some first and second picks and drafts that I think are still being undervalued are Cam Akers and A.J. Dillon. And Cam Akers was my second ranked running back in this class behind Jonathan Taylor above Clyde Edwards. And people at this point are saying six games in his career are calling him a bust. Um, calling him Darrell Henderson good. Darrell Henderson is not good. Darrell Henderson is doing okay with his opportunity. Cam Akers is going to overtake that job. It's just a matter of time. If you can get Cam Akers, if you can get Cam Akers for anything less than a first-round pick, do it. Cam Akers was a top five to top seven draft pick in this class. If you can send a 2021 second-round pick for Cam Akers, go out right now, make that deal before Cam you know, makes it in the game and shows what he can do. I don't know how bad the ribs injury is. It could be a reason why he's not on the field. But Malcolm Brown is not the answer. Darrell Henderson is not the answer. The Rams are not going to draft another running back. This is it. It's between Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson. And to me, everything I've researched, I've researched both Darrell Henderson and Cam Akers. I didn't even have Darrell Henderson in my top five running backs last year. Okay? And... I trust my process, and I'm very confident in my process. And I had Cam Akers as the second best back 
So to me, it's a no-brainer that Cam Akers is far and above Darrell Henderson. You may have a different perspective on that, but if I'm going by my process and you trust my process and how I look at things and how I evaluate, Cam Akers is far and away a better athlete than Darrell Henderson, far and away better NFL back than Darrell Henderson. Get him now if you can. Anything less than a a first-round pick, I would do it in a heartbeat. Send me some DMs. Any questions about Akers, get him on your roster, on your bench. It may not be until next year. Uh, He might need a full preseason, maybe to acclimate to the offense. But at one point, he's going to be the starter. His value was at an all-time high at the rookie draft, and now it's at an all-time low. And this is when you buy at an all-time low because it's only going to go up from here. And the other is A.J. Dillon, and I... And I hyped him on opportunity. I don't know if he's the long-term answer, but I think he's going to get the opportunity. LaFleur was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee when he rotated Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. But he saw what Derrick Henry can bring to an offense, pound the defense, wear the defense out. So at the end of the game, Derrick Henry's breaking off 90-yard touchdowns because the defense is already wore down. Aaron Jones can't do that. Aaron Jones is a very talented running back. I was actually high on Aaron Jones. I had Aaron Jones a lot of dynasty. I was getting him in the third round of rookie drafts. Most people didn't know who he was. Uh, I, I watched him at the combine. I looked at his college production. He was one of my top running backs in the class, and I was getting him in the third and fourth round while people were drafting Jamal Williams ahead of him because the Packers selected Jamal Williams before Aaron Jones. These are the things that I'm going to help you on. I'm going to help you find these players under the radar, but Aaron Jones cannot wear down a defense like A.J. Dillon can. And I think it's only a matter of time before Matt LaFleur lets A.J. Dillon play and see what he can do. Now, you know, I I heard on Friday Aaron Jones popped up on the injury report, whether it's a knee injury. uh, I think he's good to go. But the Packers just came off a bye week. They got embarrassed by the Bucs. So I would not be surprised if Matt LaFleur goes back to the drawing board and says, you know what? Let's get A.J. Dillon more involved. I want to see if he can wear the defenses down. So in the third and fourth quarter, we're fresh and their defense is not. So I would go after A.J. Dillon. You could probably get him for a third-round pick. I would give a late second. Um, I would give a late second. I might even get an early second because I think the 2021 class, most of the best running back prospects will be in the first round so second round will be wide receivers so if you can get aj dillon now for a second i do it third easily for a third now think about this all right aaron jones is a free agent at the end of this season same with jamal williams they both came in in the same rookie class if aaron jones is not signed by green bay aj dillon is going to start the year next year as the number one running back on green bay You could potentially get that right now for a second or a third round pick because once that happens, everyone's going to want A.J. Dillon because opportunity is king. He's going to have to prove himself, right, Um, of not being, you know, a bust and and a more competent back. But LaFleur spent a second round pick on him, so he's going to get opportunity. Get him now while you have a chance, all right? Oh, I'm going to pause this thing. Go ahead and make another drink. 
I also got an inquiry. We want to talk about Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette. So let's talk about that real quick. Ronald Jones as a rookie, he was completely off my draft board. I watched Sam Darnold's pro day. It was, it was in the rain. That day, he threw two incomplete passes. One was across the middle, I think, to a tight end. I remember very vividly the second one was a swing pass to Ronald Jones. Now, mind you this, at Pro Day, they're wearing shorts, wearing shirts, no helmets, no pads, just out there pitch and catch. That's all it is. Um, and, and Sam Darnold threw a screen pass to Ronald Jones, and he completely dropped it. I said, oh, Lord, this, this guy is not going to be an NFL back. You've got to have to have all the skills to be an NFL back. You have to run between the tackles, run outside, catch the football, pass, protect. You have to do it all. So I went back. I watched his film, and and he is by far a speed burner, a track star. Between the tackles, he's a pounder, right? Could not pass a, uh, He couldn't pass block for a lick, couldn't catch a cold. I was like, this guy is going to be a bust in the NFL. Completely took him off my rookie draft board. I wasn't on Twitter at that point, but when I got on Twitter, I saw that people had Ronald Jones ranked over Saquon Barkley. That is crazy. Some of these evaluators, they don't know like what they're looking at, how to, how to evaluate. I don't know if they're doing it for clicks, but who could break down film and say Ronald Jones is better than Saquon Barkley? I mean, all you need to see is Saquon's rookie year and know that's not the case. He broke the rookie record for reception by a running back uh, and, and just his complete total yardage. He just balled out as a rookie. Now, the last two years he's been hurt, so we haven't seen that ceiling. But anyone or at any time would say Ronald Jones was better than Saquon Barkley is complete bullshit. And I don't know how anyone gets to that f- result. But I will say, as a rookie, everything he did, I, I expected. He struggled. Um but but something happened his second year, and I was watching him, and he was catching passes out of the backfield. He was looking better. He wasn't looking like great, but he was looking better uh, compared to what I evaluated. Now, when Ronald Jones came in, remember, he was only 20 years old, very young. And you can't knock a player at 20 years old, right? He's going to grow. He's going to learn. He's going to have off seasons. He's going to work on parts of his game. USC didn't ask him to catch the ball, so he never had to practice catching the ball, so he didn't. Uh, So second year, he started getting better. He was catching the football. I noticed certain games he was much better than Peyton Barber, but the Bucs were pulling him because he was very inconsistent. He'd have a 10-yard run. The next play, he'd have a drop a screen pass. Then the next play, he'd catch a screen pass. Then the next play, he'd he'd miss a blitz pickup, and he'd let the quarterback get killed. He was very raw, had all the talent in the world, just couldn't put it together. So going into this year, his third season, before Leonard Fournette was signed, Peyton Barber was gone. It was Ronald Jones. And in the offseason, Ronald Jones was bulking up, working on his pass protection, catching the football. Back in uh, May, I think it was, it was either March or May, I put a thread out talking about how Ronald Jones is a redraft uh, league winner type back. He was going to have the backfield to himself. It was third year in the league, uh, 
he was a player that you wanted to target in drafts. And I believe later, um, I think a week later, a guy I follow, Scout 24-7, he put out a really, really good thread on, on Ronald Jones. It was even retweeted by uh, Matthew Barry, breaking down all the points that I said. You know, mine was more of a generic thread. It was just like a four-piece thread. But, you know, I'm going to crown myself as the first one to put a thread on Ronald Jones to buy this year and redraft. I just didn't put out, like, the best content version. Uh, but you 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 look, you look, can see it on my Twitter. Look, look for the thread. I put it out in May before anyone was even on Ronald Jones. And that being said, then Leonard Fournette got signed, which completely crushed, crushed that take. And, you know... He was coming in as what? The number three pick in the draft. And we knew the Jacks were going to give up on uh, Leonard Fournette. But the Bucks signed him. It was a thorn in his on Ronald Jones' side. So I knew that any times Ronald Jones made a mistake, whether he missed a block, dropped a pass, fumbled the ball, the coaches were going to pull him. But Fournette has been injured, and, and Ronald Jones has looked tremendous. I think right now he's RB12. So he's an RB1 in fantasy football. But the only thing that I'm worried about is that Leonard Fournette is there, and I still think that Ronald Jones has a short leash. If he misses a pass block and Tom Brady gets killed, they're going to bench him and they're going to let Fournette play. And I'm just worried that he could easily lose his job. If Fournette wasn't there, I'd be all over Ronald Jones in Dynasty. But I think it's going to take... if well. If Rojo keeps working, it could take him like two years to really round his game out. And by then, he's still only going to be you know, 25 years old, 26 years old. So I'm not buying high on him uh, in Dynasty. I would actually probably sell high in Dynasty if someone was offering. Uh, if, especially if I had running backs, you know, good depth. I'd sell high on Ronald Jones right now. And I might try to buy Fournette low. Because Fournette's going to either get time with Tampa or next year he's going to sign with somebody. But it all comes down to his work ethic. You know, if, if Leonard Fournette wants to work at his game and, and maintain success in the NFL. But I would try to buy low on him. Uh, personally, I'm not, targeting e I'm not targeting either one of them, really. Um, but unless you have like a really weak roster and you want to try to get some really cheap buy lows, I'd probably offer a third for Fournette. Uh, I don't think you get Rojo for a first or a second, so I wouldn't offer that. Um, I mean, I, I bought him in the offseason uh, much cheaper. So I'm going to go make a drink, so stay tuned. All right, so we got our ingredients. It's half simple syrup, three-quarters lime juice, two ounces of this beautiful Anejo Puerto Rican rum. And, and while I mix this bad boy... I'm going to go ahead and let you listen to some more sound effects of our boy, Justin Jefferson. Fast, see if they can put it in the end zone one more time. This should help Justin Jefferson. Able to escape and get in. I thought Kendall Sheffield might rip his jersey off, but Justin Jefferson stays on his feet and scores it from 49 yards out. Now you want to fine strain this into your coupe glass you don't want to have any ice speckles or any of the the rind in there it's a beautiful drink it's a beautiful 
like a whitish green pale you know i'll put a picture on twitter before i launch the podcast so you can see what i'm drinking on it's a beautiful delicious drink Mm. Mm. better than the first one it's so smooth we're gonna get into the next segment hit it who remembers the supermarket sweep we're gonna go shopping and we're gonna go find some targets to buy low and throw in our shopping cart in the supermarket sweep and i put this on twitter uh we're gonna buy right now juju smith schuster and let me tell you why we're gonna buy low on juju smith schuster first of all first of all he's struggling this year i mean he's not really struggling though to be honest he's doing what he needs to do he's the number one receiver He's taken away the top corners. He's taken those away from the on Deontay Johnson, from James Washington, from Chase Claypool. But let's look at the stats. Some people say, well, Juju was only a product of Antonio Brown, which is absolutely not true. Juju Smith-Schuster came into the league in 2017 as a 20-year-old rookie. He went in the second round of the NFL draft, all right? And Antonio Brown has been playing with Pittsburgh since around 2010. I think his first 1,000-yard season was in 2011. From 2011 until he left Pittsburgh, okay, only one other wide receiver alongside Antonio Brown ever eclipsed 1,000 yards, and that was Mike Wallace. Antonio Brown's rookie year, Mike Wallace had 1,100 yards. Pittsburgh has had Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, Martavis Bryant, Darius Hayward Bay, Heinz Ward. The list goes on and on. Juju Smith-Schuster, the best receiver next to Antonio Brown ever before Juju. Emmanuel Sanders had 700 yards. This whole time Antonio Brown was in Pittsburgh, no other receiver, no other receiver ever eclipsed 1,100 yards besides Mike Wallace. When Juju Smith-Schuster came in the league as a rookie at 20-year-old, he had 900 yards and seven touchdowns. As a rookie, that right there tells you he has elite potential. Does it help that Antonio Brown, the alpha, is on the other side of the field? Absolutely, it does. Yes. But Juju Smith-Schuster's second year in the pros, he had 111 receptions, 1,426 yards, and seven touchdowns. All right? You don't put up that type of numbers unless you are an elite athlete, an elite wide receiver, I don't care who's next to you. You can have Jerry Rice next to you. You're not going to put up 100-plus receptions and almost 1,500 yards and seven touchdowns if you are not an elite player. You're in the NFL. So people say, oh, well, he was next to Antonio Brown. That's not true at all. 
His third year when Antonio Brown left, first game of the season, he hurt his toe. All right? He played that season through injury. Big Ben got hurt. We saw the quarterback. They had Doug Hodges, uh, Mason Rudolph. I mean, it was absolute. It was a disgrace, a dumpster fire in Pittsburgh, and he played hurt. Week 11 against Cleveland, he got a concussion. He hurt his knee. He missed four straight games after that. He finished the year with only 500 yards, three touchdowns. Terrible season. Terrible season. This is why you can buy live because everyone buys into a player and then they disappoint. Everyone is completely off the table. The same thing happened with Robbie Anderson in New York. Everyone jumped on the bandwagon when he was hot. And then when he underperformed, everybody was on the bandwagon. He underperformed. And then everybody jumped off the bandwagon. But not Roto Lounge. We dive into that shit. We find these players that people jump off the bandwagon. We see the potential. We knew Robbie Anderson had the potential in the right situation. That's why I advised in the offseason to buy Robbie Anderson because I knew he was going to produce in Carolina. And I'm advising you now to get Juju Smith-Schuster because he is going to produce. All right. What, what Juju does is he takes the number one cornerback away from of the wide receivers in Pittsburgh. And one thing that Juju doesn't do that Antonio Brown did was he doesn't pressure Big Ben to throw him the football. Juju's an excellent blocker. He's an excellent decoy. Big Ben, with his bum elbow, prefers to throw it to the wide open players. That's why Deontay Johnson, you're saying Chase Claypool, you're saying James Washington. All right. But once these players start to break out, you're going to see, you know, your Chase Claypool, James Washington's, the defensive coordinators are going to have to adjust. They're going to have to put coverage on someone other than Juju Smith-Schuster. Right now, he's getting double covered. Uh, James Washington has come out and saying, you know, Juju's taking double covered. He's taking the safety away from us. Eventually, that is going to change. They're going to have to spread the defense out. Juju Smith is going to get some one-on-one coverage, and he's going to be the player that we know he is. Think about this for a second. Let's talk about stat percentage. Week one, Juju had 86% of the offensive snaps. Deontay Johnson, 80%. So we know these are the number one guys. James Washington had 58%. Chase Chase Claypool had 30%. Week two, Juju, 91%. Deontay Johnson, 83%. James Washington, 48%. And Chase Claypool, 37%. So we know the pecking order, right? Week three, Juju, 72%. Deontay Johnson, he got injured, had 24%. Chase Claypool had had an excellent, excellent uh, matchup. He played the majority of the game that game, 76%, because it was obvious matchups. There was no reason to take him off the field. James Washington had 61%. The next week, Juju, 76 Back to the number one wide receiver, 76% snap share. DeAndre, Deontay Johnson, nothing. Chase, James Washington, 71%. And Chase Claypool, 69%. Last game, uh, I believe Juju banged up his knee. There is question marks that he might not play. He had 65% uh, of the snap share. Deontay Johnson was out. James Washington had 66%, and Chase Claypool had 78%. 
Everyone's clamoring for Chase Claypool right now, and that's fine. You can go after Chase, but we need to snag up Juju Smith-Schuster right now as quickly as we can. I would give a first round straight up for Juju right now, and I'll tell you why. Juju is only, he right now he is only 23 years old. He's been in the league for almost four seasons, and he's only 23 years old. He has... He has a 1,400-yard, 100-catch, 7-touchdown on his resume, and he's only 23 years old right now. You know who else is 23 right now? A.J. Brown, the guy who had half of a good season, one good half of a season, and people are already clamoring A.J. Brown a top 5 or a top 10 dynasty wide receiver. All right? Juju well exceeded Anything that A.J. Brown has ever done. Terry McLaurin is 25 years old. All right. And I know Terry McLaurin is playing hot right now. He's two years older than Juju. So that alone, age alone, should value Juju over McLaurin. Juju is going to be a free agent at the end of this season. Some people are saying he may leave Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh would be stupid to let him go. I think Pittsburgh needs him there. He's a great player. He's a great person. He's a great off the field philanthropist. Hold on. However you say that is that's the rum. That's the rum talking. The Dakery's talking. Juju Smith Schuster has everything that a franchise wants in a star player. If Pittsburgh lets him leave, first let's talk about where he might go. And he would be a number one, and he would be force-fed the football. Somewhere like the Jets, if they're bringing Trevor Lawrence, Juju and, and Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be force-fed the ball. Now, if Juju left Pittsburgh, Deontay Johnson would be the number one? I don't think so. Chase Claypool's the number one? Uh, I don't know. James Washington as the number one? I don't know if any of those three could be an alpha Right? I don't think they could be the number one. Maybe Chase Claypool. Maybe. He's got the size, the strength, the speed. Maybe he could become an alpha. I don't think Deontay Johnson can. I think he's mostly a slot player. You know, for Juja is an alpha. And if he stays in Pittsburgh, it's the best thing for the Steelers. If he leaves, he's going to go somewhere. He's going to be the alpha. He's going to be force-fed the football. You know, Pittsburgh prides themselves on having all these receivers and they let players go and, and and they throw it to everyone. And Juju's fine with that. Juju says, I don't care what I have to do, if I have to block, if I have to take away coverage, as long as we're winning. But eventually, Juju is going to get his. Once defensive coordinators figure out how Pittsburgh's running the offense, they're going to spread the defense out to keep their eye on Chase Claypool, on Deontay Johnson, or James Washington, and Juju's going to get his. The last thing, the last thing, okay, I could tell you all the analytics about Juju Smith-Schuster. The fact that he was 72nd percentile speed score, I could say he was a 94th percentile breakout age. You can find all this on playerprofile.com. But the one thing that I need to tell you that you need to pay attention, and this is why you need to go buy Juju Smith-Schuster. He's 23 years old. He hasn't even hit his prime yet. 
And according to that website, his best comparable player is DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins.